Welcome to Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. Now here are your hosts, Nina and Brian Dixon. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. Happy Tuesday to everybody. What's up? Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. All right, we're on 24. Before we get into the topic of today, Grill let's, your talk veggies. My, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about my lifestyle tip that Brian just made fun of, okay? Which is? Grill your veggies. Okay, just hear Count me out. It. No, just hear me out. For Count time. it. We've been eating salads a lot lately because we were we were feeling like we weren't getting enough fresh vegetables in our diet. And it's kind of hard sometimes because we steam things, you grill things, you saute things and like you have a side of veggies. It's like whatever. But raw fruits and vegetables are just have their own. So people should know, too, we always try to incorporate a lot of raw foods, but we've had to take it to the next level recently to be like the majority of what we eat is on the raw side of things. Reason being is that when you cook food, you kill the majority of the nutritional value of a lot of types of food, right? It, depending on what kind of fruit or vegetable, yes, you do. So for that reason... You, you cook fruits often? <laughs> you know what I mean. For that reason, I started to add larger salads and smaller portions of other types of food for, for us. But it got so boring after like eight to ten weeks of just raw salads. I'm talking raw... When, if someone's listening and like, oh, how could you stay full on a salad? Trust me, the... the you eat, you eat a whole lot of them. Yeah, it's a lot that I make for dinner. And like I'll add vegan cheese and like croutons to it and whatnot. But or maybe even a boiled sweet potato, some lentils, chickpeas, black beans. So that helps it like kind of get a little bit, you know, quote unquote meatier and like heavier for you. But it got so boring that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm craving carbs. I'm craving sushi. I'm well, craving. The, the temperature also changed a lot recently. Over like the last now, week, yeah. two weeks, it dropped like 30 degrees and it's been consistently colder so it's challenging sometimes to continue on a a pure raw food diet when it gets cold because when you eat raw food what happens actually internally is the blood within your body begins to digest food much quicker and so a lot of your blood flows to your stomach and starts letting your digestive organs cleanse your body a lot faster but when that happens it actually makes you a little bit cold and like your, your skin temperature is a little bit colder. So when you're doing it, in addition to it being really cold outside, your body starts to like, like really want some type of carb heavy food yeah. because that's when it warms you back up. Or you uh, crave sugar more. I've that's noticed true. in myself. So I, I Googled that actually recently. And it's like when you crave carbs and sugar on the regular out of like nowhere, two things. It's either your gut health that needs attention, which I know mine is fine because I take probiotics and prebiotics. and I don't really eat anything to disturb it. Or second, you're just not getting enough of like, you know, heavier foods in your in your system. So long story short, I'm sitting here like, how can I make this better? How can I make this better? And one night I wanted Mexican food. And in my mind, I'm like, hmm, fajitas, grilled onions and peppers. Why don't I do that and add them to our salad? So that's what I've been doing the last few days. Um, it seems to be working. It actually adds a great taste. Do you not agree? There, it's, it's a really good taste. It mixes it up. But what I want to say here is there's a lot of tips you probably get throughout your life. But this is the one <laughs> the that is going to be the one. most monumental lifestyle tip you've ever received. Listen, I just thought I'd share it. I'm, I'm sure 90% of people listening know it already, but it's just a reminder. And maybe 
Tonight, someone's going to make a fresh salad and grill their own veggies and add them to their salad. That'd be great. You're welcome. That'd, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome, everybody. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Today's main topic is actually a suggestion by a Deep Thoughts listener. Yeah, and I, thanks she, for the feedback. She wants to remain anonymous. She actually wanted me to use a different name that was actually really funny. But does I she wear one of those V for Vendetta masks when she's at home? No, she does not. Okay. Um, I've known her for a very, very long time. Let's see. Probably since... I've known her since college. I didn't go to college with her, but I've known her since college. Why don't we create a pseudonym for her? Susie Dick Tomer Harris. No, she actually had a pseudonym for me, but I, I think I deleted all my text messages. Well, you always come up with the great pseudonyms and names for people. They're like... See Dick run. Watch Jane throw the ball. Like books people learn to read on. (laughs) Books people learn to read on. Anyway, she gave me the suggestion and I'm very grateful for it because sometimes I get writer's block and there's a lot of content that we have to create here every single week. We have to talk about something and sometimes you and I feel like we're repeating ourselves or... You know, we're not going in depth enough with something or maybe we didn't research something enough. So we're kind of just shooting darts in the dark, you know. So when somebody goes out of their way to suggest a topic, I really, really like appreciate that. And so thank you. You know who you are. And I know you're probably listening to this, Um, but we'll jump right into it. Her suggestion was toxic negative energy in the workplace um, between coworkers and This one's a little bit different. When I started preparing for it, I I kind of took the route of, you know, work environments that are toxic. And I tried to like pull myself back together that it's about the negative energy in the workplace environment between people in the workplace. But as I was thinking about this and doing some research and preparing for the podcast, I realized a lot of the negativity that we all experience in the work environment, in our offices, in our businesses at our jobs, comes from the environment being so toxic. That's why we all start to like spaz out on each other or we have these like competitive jealousy arguments and yelling and screaming. Could you elaborate on that? Because I'm not sure if I fully understand what you're saying. So like I wanted to focus on negative energy in the workplace between coworkers or managers and supervisors and, and employees, like the hierarchy of it all. And I kept finding myself writing and reading about toxic work environments, not the people. Do you know what I'm saying? I'll I'll elaborate on this. And so I was trying to like pull myself again into people. I was focused on the office space, the hours. I understand. So give me an example just so our listeners can understand what you, when you're saying toxic workplace versus toxic, toxicity between employees, define your definition of toxic workplace. Okay. So, and this is where in my mind, as I was doing research, I realized that these two join together and it's the reason as to why this happens. So bear that in mind. Toxic work environment, a negative workplace that you may be in for you is, think about it this way. It's toxic and it's negative because of the long hours. You know, most Americans work 40 plus hours, okay? You come to the grind, 8 a.m. you have to be there. If you're not in there, someone calls you out on it. You don't have autonomy. As humans, we are forced. And you know what? Our generation doesn't think it's normal, but our parents did. You think it's normal or these people think it's normal to sit in a box in a cube in a building, shunned out from the world, not to be on your cell phones, not to be on Facebook, not to do anything else, but work for your employer. Doesn't that seem like prison? So I think it depends on the person because 
we want to make sure we're being clear here because I'm sure there's a lot of people as well that may work very long hours in an environment like that, but they actually love their job. Just as there's people that probably work in that environment that don't like their job. I agree with you, but I'm, this isn't just, this is not about that one person. You could be, you and I could be in the same office and you could love your job. I could be in the same office under those grueling hours, just like you and not like it for a certain reason, because what I need is autonomy. I'm, and this is just an example. I'm not, this isn't literally me that I might need autonomy. I might have a, you know, a two-year-old kid at home that I can't afford a babysitter for. So my life issues and my life is not fitting well with this work environment anymore. So I come to work, not my best self, you know, I'm trying to say that the work environment becomes toxic because of the way that the work environment is fixed on the majority level in America. We become so stressed out, you know, bills to pay, not enough money, maybe didn't get the promotion, you know, working our asses off trying to impress our boss or our manager to get that bonus at the end of the year or get a promotion or get some sort of raise. But then really we're just fighting at home and we're fighting at work. Like we all deal with other things outside of work and work seems to add to our stress for most people. This is not for somebody who loves their job. This is not for somebody who doesn't encounter negative things in their workplace. It's not for them. It's not this episode. So in doing that, I was like, okay, our work environment isn't really a place of, you would know this, dude. It's not like innovation, you know, freedom, freedom to go places, freedom to go. Most Americans don't have the freedom to just get up and go outside and and go for their doctor's appointment. They have to get a clearance from HR. You know, they have to tell their supervisor. And then when they do, it's like someone always makes a face. Oh, I thought you were going to be here. I need you here. I didn't know that. I forgot to put on my calendar. I was in that environment. I've worked in that department. I've I've seen this firsthand. And that weighs heavy on people and then it comes out. They have to release somehow and it releases onto each other. You know, the next person that's sitting in the cube. Then you're venting, you're gossiping, you're screaming, you're yelling. So that's what I mean about work environment. Work, neg- negative energy in the workplace between people, I believe festers because of all these outside factors. Maybe 60, 70%, not 100%. So I was thinking about it. I'm like, okay, they kind of go both hand in hand. So let's take it a step back and first talk about the difference between America's work environment, the toxic work environment. Why do you think there are so many books out there? Four-day work week. Some I'm completely blanking on the name I of the I actually company. just saw something. I think yeah. it was Microsoft. Mike, yeah, yeah. Just, well, they just released an article the other day. I don't know what it's too involved with but basically what the article discussed was that microsoft tested out with a subset of people like a four-day work week and their efficiency improved by like 40 or 60 percent yeah or something like it was 60 percent um you're right it was microsoft and why do you think all these studies are happening and all these books are being written gary chapman wrote this book a while ago about toxicity in the workplace and he said it's not the people are just reacting to everything going on you think it's an issue between Susie and Sally, but really Susie and Sally are just pissed off at their job. Susie and Sally are Sorry, Susie and Sally are back. <laughs> so, and he, and he had a point. He's like, I'm not saying 100% of the reasons that these two women are not getting along at work or have this competitiveness is all the fault of the office and the office culture, but it's definitely over 50% worth of the case, you know? So compare America's, most of America's, I, I, you know, the tech space is different. Your job is different. But 
you know, 80% of America is actually just typical corporate America wherever you go. And compare that to the workforce in France, in India, in Mexico, in Spain, in Italy, in Bali. You and I heard firsthand that in Bali, they, they're, they're very holistic individuals there. They believe in this work-life balance. Work is a little tiny part of life. But outside of that, what's important? Family, friends, holidays, culture, tradition, religion. Ceremony. Ceremonies. And they will legit shut down offices and not answer and not pull pull through with deals, even American deals that they have, because it's a holiday. That's how seriously they take it. Compare that to us. You'll see people here opening their convenience stores on Christmas Day to make one extra dollar. Okay, we have this like mentality of go, 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 go. Who's the Chinese billionaire? Jack Ma. Yeah. He says it the most. You've got to work harder than the Americans. Got to work harder than the Americans. I get that he may be one of the richest people in the world, but because of who? Because of what? He had very toxic work environments. Ask his employees. Google it, what his employees say. And that's what makes me think like, we're humans. We can't be treated like robots. We are, we're not any, well, governments and corporations think we are an economy, but we're not. We're people. We're a society. We're a culture. We have emotions. We have needs. And you know what? They're not all the same for everybody. You can't take a hundred people and put them in a work environment and think that you're paying them enough or not paying them enough and think that there's going to be no issues. That environment is not conducive to everyone. A man... You and I could be in an office setting, working 70 plus hours as attorneys and both be in our 30s. But you know what? For me, that job might be the most stressful thing on the planet because it doesn't allow me to go home in time to pick up my kids from school. It doesn't allow me to go home or you know to do certain things. It doesn't allow me to step aside if I'm like three months pregnant and go to a doctor's appointment. It's something that I have to hassle with and like kind of feel guilty for and bad for. You'd think that's not going to come out somehow or bubble somehow out of my system? Of course it is. Whereas for you, this is just an example, it would be different for you. Same workplace, same office, same people. You might like it and enjoy it. What I'm trying to say is one size does not fit all. And that's what corporate America seems to me. It's that everybody, all these corporations are competing with one another. And it's like, who works the most? Who pumps out the most? Who makes the most revenue? You know, so-and-so attorneys over there work X amount of hours. You guys got to do this. Like everyone's fighting each other from top and then it's bleeding down. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So in Spain, they, they, people take naps. In Mexico, they take naps. In India, they take naps in the middle of the day. Work is not does not like consume your life in these other countries. Only here. that's Only here is where that happens. Well... <clears throat> I'm going to challenge that. I'm not because talking about sweatshops, dude, or like Nike or these people. I'm not talking about that, but there's a lot of other countries outside of the U.S. that have <clears throat> big challenges with the amount that they work. China's around the clock. South Korea, South Korea's government had to come in and actually place a ban on companies because their employees were working so much that they had to say, you have to leave the office You're at right. 6 p.m. You're like right. That. But guess what? In 2018, they did something about it. Did America do anything about it? Did our companies do anything about it? No, we're still going at it. Writing books about four-day work weeks. You know, that's where my point is. Like, even if other countries are doing it, they're making a change. They're noticing that this American way 
is not conducive. It's not good in the long term for our people. You know? So now you go back to negative energy in the workplace and dealing with your coworkers or superiors. And as to why that happens, I think that's bred again from management from top down. I personally have seen this happen in a scenario and I'll explain it. There was a, I won't go too much into detail because I don't want to give names away, but the person who was in charge of this company would say certain things to one person in the department and say different things to a coworker of that person in the same department, closed doors, behind closed doors in an office, which would almost pin the people against each other as if they're in competition. He didn't really breed a cohesive thing. He almost like threw a stick out there and said, go for it. You know, like he would tie in different departments of the company, which was like, it was a huge company. And he'd be like, well, I'm only going to give X amount of dollars. And I knew more of the backstory and like more numbers wise than other people did because of my position. He'd be like, I only have this much money uh, to give out for bonuses this year. So this is what's going to happen. And he would literally just sit back and make people kind of fight for it in some ways. And he would drop like little hints and clues that would kind of put a fire under people's tails. It was emotional abuse, in my opinion. Very unfair, in my opinion. It wasn't based on work. It was kind of based on who could outperform the other person, even though they were all in different departments. And that kind of stuff is what breeds negativity. That's what breeds this like lack of in the workplace. There's not enough promotions going around. There's not enough bonuses and raises going around. She's going to get it before I do. He's going to get it because he schmoozes the boss all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like this, this lacking mindset that there's not enough of whatever it is that people are arguing about. Mm -hmm. The second thing is from lack mindset. The second thing I see is what causes these issues is ego. We have such big egos in the workplace we can be completely different people at home but the minute we step into the office it's a different we become different people and i think again it comes from like my authority my title like i'm superior or it could be maybe someone lower like um maybe their title isn't you know upper management but they too sense that with somebody else who's not at their level. You know, it's like this constant like push and pull or you're not that important or you're HR, you're accounting, like you don't know this. You know, we're salespeople, we're out there, we're doing it, like we're pulling numbers. That's ego. When you're comparing yourself and thinking you're better or worse than somebody else, it's still ego. And a lot of the times when we're in the work environment, we always come from a place of ego. Mm -hmm. How many of us actually walk into work every day completely full, happy and content? I honestly think, don't raise your hand. I, I honestly every think every single day. I honestly think that sometimes on some days it's real deep work. Like people have to physically and mentally, emotionally work at it. But the people that you do see being grateful every day, they work on it. They drive to work and say, I'm so grateful for my job. I'm so grateful for this. And they're having the worst time, but they're really, really trying. Like it's work for them. And I don't know. I just, I, I think that that's, you know, you're not going to be motivated for something if you're not passionate. If most of the time when you're dealing with negativity, you can kind of dismiss it and rise above it. If one, you're a partner or an owner or like a founder of the company, 
I think it's easy to set those things apart and just stay focused on the bigger goal. Two, you're motivated and you're motivated because you love what you do. You're passionate about your job so you don't let the small stuff bother you. But it's tough when you're doing something because it pays the bills. Like that's where you feed into the negative energy. You give in to your coworkers' snarky remarks. You let it fester. You let it eat you alive. Then you snap back at her. You know, and then it's just this recurring thing that you have to come face every single day. But if you loved what you did, you wouldn't be bothered by those things. Your mind would have been focused somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that ego is one of the bigger things that I've noticed in the workplace in terms of not only early stage businesses, but a lot in bigger companies for sure, right? And we see it still in early stage businesses a lot, like founders that think they're just so incredibly brilliant because they've created this solution and they're now, you know, created a company and they're going after it. And, you know, that's not everybody, but there are a percentage of early stage entrepreneurs that have this just incredible inflated ego with what they're doing. And they haven't really accomplished much yet anyway. But when it comes to like the real big ego scenarios I see, it's usually in the much bigger companies and at different levels of management. Or, you know, when you get real high up in some of those companies just around, there's just like a air when you talk to some people that like they truly think you're wasting their time or they truly think that they're better than you because of where they've reached in terms of, you know, a business environment. And it's really their, their, uh, their weakness, to be honest. That's the way I look at it. Like when I identify that in somebody, I know immediately what kind of persona they've developed and what kind of identity they've developed for themselves. And I think it's easy to read that person after that. You know, you understand what they think of themselves and they're not grateful as much, not very humble. And because of that, I think it's easier to navigate them in business settings. Yeah. I also just thought of another point. I think that this is a very, very, very deep rooted issue. And I don't even know how I'm going to tie or connect these dots here with what I'm about to say. But I feel as though it's been years and years of societal programming in some ways that if you're not a quote unquote killer in the work environment, like going after it, throwing your weight around, being abrasive at selling and landing the client or, you know, managing your employees well with like a stiff stick, then you're not doing your job i like to play the compassionate samurai role you do i agree with you knowing that i could very easily jump up in the air and chuck norris roundhouse kick you no but you understand that what how you handle things at work is not quote-unquote mainstream people are not taught that people are rewarded for being warriors almost or like the gung-ho loud ones you know and I think that's also a big reason as to why negativity breeds because their actions and their words actually affect their team. In terms of the U.S. too, I, what you just said, I notice it way more on the coasts than, than I do in the Midwest. Like on the East Watch Coast. Watch it, dude. On the East Coast and in some areas of the West Coast, depending on don't the city. Don't talk about the East Coast. I just told you, don't well, do I'm it. Well, I'm going to. Don't it's, do it. It's true. Like the, the personality is very different by how they operate. And I think, I feel like... There's a definite noticeable change in terms of inflated egos and friction and like this uh, pedestal that they think sometimes that people sit on based on where they're located in the, in the industry that they're into. I agree. And 
I don't. And, I, and don't, don't get me wrong, we have that anywhere in yeah. the country, but I just seem to notice it more when I'm engaging with people that sit in specific cities on each of the coasts. Yeah. No. Well, now I've I've lived here for four years, right? But my and you can relate I was to on, that. Yeah, I was on the East Coast my whole life. But this is what I'll say: on the East Coast, there are more. <laughs> I don't want to piss anybody off. There's more. Uh, Italian or Italian mixed people naturally like in the New Jersey Philly that whole like area and I have noticed that there's a certain demeanor about these people and obviously when there's more of them like everyone's kind of conjoined together I actually don't know one Irish hothead in my life really I really don't they're all funny or they're calm or they're very aware of themselves I don't know, like a like an egotistical hothead in the workplace. He might be at home, but not in the workplace. I don't know of one. Okay. So anyway, without getting into the cultural part of it, I did notice that even in uh, when I was practicing law in Philadelphia in the courthouse, it was the Italian men, both on the defense side and the prosecutor side, Oh my God. It was not about their client. It was not about getting a case or a conviction. It was just like throwing their weight around left and right, left and right. And I don't know if it was like they watched too much like Harvey Specter or something like suits, but it was like some serious intense. And I would just say, I'm like, that has nothing to do with what we're arguing about. Like, why are they taking personal digs at each other right now in front of a judge? So you're right. Here's some, what you just said is important. Here's something to understand if you're going to be involved with somebody in a workplace setting, how you can understand if they're trying to create toxicity. Yeah. Um, and what you just said is you said they're throwing their weight around and they're talking about things that have nothing to do no. with the matter at hand. Mm -hmm. That's a very quick way that you can recognize if somebody is potentially creating toxicity in the work environment. Like if they're coming after you, they may try to target something that has nothing to do with anything that you're currently discussing as a way to put you down yeah right or they bring up something like if you like did a memo wrong right they'll come in like blazing and like say you didn't do this right like do it again wait for what they say after that though or wait for what your boss says another day or two after he's just like unloaded on you because that's where the personal digs come at some point somewhere or another that's where they should they bring up stuff that's either not professional that's extremely emotionally hurtful. That's when you know that there's someone trying out towards you. But I, I don't know. I don't know a solution to all this. Like we just posed a problem. We discussed the problem. It's the environment. It's our culture. It's the work, the hustle. That's like kind of just like, oh, people are sick of it. Nobody wants to do it. It's not even productive anymore. You have companies doing all these studies and tests around four day work weeks. That should say something. It's pissing people off. People are stressed out. We used to be a country where one person could work and the woman could stay home and raise a family or vice versa. Did you do you know there? I don't know the statistics off the top of my head, but it's obnoxious right now that almost every single family in America, both parents are working and still in debt. That's not normal. That's not going to create happy people at work or at home. So anyway, they're going to let off steam somewhere. You know, that's going to happen. It's going to come out at some point. But I don't know a solution to this. Um, I know that most of us don't go to work to make best friends. Well, there is a solution, in my opinion. And the solution is 
to be able to understand how to center yourself. Because if you're in a workplace and you realize there's toxicity that's being created by other people, you have to be able to be conscious of it and diffuse that by becoming an alchemy of your own energy, an alchemist of your own energy, and then not getting involved with it, not letting it trigger you. That's what I'm going to say. The solution is not so much the work environment or the people around you. It's only what you can control. Like what, what can you do to not be affected by it you can't control things that are said or done in life period i don't care if it's at work i don't care if it's at home with your family with your friends you do not control circumstances arguments or words that are projected in your environment all you can ever control in life this applies to everything is how you choose to receive something your perception of it your perception of it then filters out and you either react to something and you carry these bad energies, sadness, anger, resentment, hate, depression, or you choose to respond and you just say, up and away, it's just a cloud. I'm going to ignore it completely and let it slide right off my back. That's where I think the solution is. And if all of us were more aware, those people that actually do do what I just explained, like learn to respond to things and just say, okay, like they kind of expect accept sorry they accept things and move on you know those people actually won't also be the ones to cause negativity a lot of the times because you you start to understand how hard it was for you to control yourself and maintain your center maintain your peace you're not going to put somebody else in that position you automatically become compassionate and once once you begin to do that too it'll take a little bit of time but you'll learn over time that maybe these initial people that create this toxicity, they'll slowly make their way away from you. Like because the, That's because vi- vibrationally you're giving off a better vibe. You're, you're energetically, when you really truly like, not that you hold your tongue in front of the person. I'm saying that even in your heart, you can look at that person and just have no feelings or reactions to what they're saying to you. That's where the true power lies. When you don't even emotionally let it like sliver you at all whatsoever. And you can still accept it and say, it's work. Got to deal with this person. On to the next thing that I have to do. Do you know a workplace toxicity thing that drives me crazy that I think probably happens a lot? And it's really not somebody trying to become confrontational with somebody else or specifically create a toxic environment for them. I think they do it out of a lack of awareness, but it's people that become incredible complainers and venters in the workplace about things that happen to them. Like continually talking about all the bad things that happen to them and almost like wanting you to kind of cheer them up a little bit, you know, because they want the attention for it. They want the acknowledgement. Like that type of thing to me is almost worse than like some of the other intentional stuff because it's just like they're, they're feeding off of the attention and the acknowledgement for these things and it's creating a toxic work environment for the person that's having to listen to this all the time and that's something that i think can best be diffused by literally just not paying attention to it anymore like, like literally just blocking it out <laughs> like, or walking uh-huh. away yeah mm-hmm. exactly. okay like no you're, you're right that happens a lot too um i have an example based on that though if it's a supervisor, somebody in high management doing the complaining, looking for some sort of affection and attention, and little peons run up to give it to that person, but there's one aware individual who doesn't give in to it and chooses to be extremely positive and reinforcing, kind of tells a person to shut up, um, who do you think is going to get the raise? 
probably the peons. Yeah. But the thing is, is it doesn't matter because you in the long run will eventually triumph and succeed. That's right. Because you're able to create that calmness and centeredness to yourself. It's a leader quality. Not everybody's going to understand it. But hey. Anyway, so I think that the solution is kind of internally within yourself. Now, with that being said, I know a few people who have went through this, myself included. And after, and don't get me wrong, it takes years to kind of, maybe even months and years to practice that being able to respond to something and not get moved by it at all emotionally. It took me, one, two, three, it took me three years um, to finally get to a place where I just kind of let everything slide off of me. I just didn't let anything or anyone take me, like get me off balance. Um, so it takes time to practice. Don't get me wrong. And I had some slips along the way for sure. But once you do that, I think you also start to kind of, at least this is what happened to me. I stopped caring about my career so much and the clout around it and my title and like money and, you know, like, where am I going to go after this? Like, you know, like the natural progression of my career started to just like not phase me anymore. Like I was going from like lawyer, I want to be a senator, I want to be this. And then I dipped out of there, went to like HR and like went in corporate thing. And then do I want to be a corporate lawyer now? Like it just kind of when I started to work on myself and dug deep inside of myself, trying to not be bombarded and affected by the negativity in the workplace, I started to really question like, what do I want? What do I like? What am I motivated by? What are my passions? And that took me on a completely different path. And so I left the corporate world completely altogether. And in some ways I've left the legal world too, but I'm still an attorney. But that's where the shift had happened to me where now I look back and say, I don't even know how I dealt with some of the things that I dealt with. But according to what you said, like sometimes when you do that, these negative people like either leave your company they get fired or they choose to do something else. In my case, I just left. Like not mm-hmm. because of that, but just because like I just had this natural progression of like the more inward I was going, the more I was questioning why I was even there. Nothing was bothering me when I left, you know? It was kind of just this like, hmm, what really matters? What is it that I want to do? Where do I want to go? Like do I want to be here in the next 10 years or the next five years? You know, like, do I see myself here? And I think that's where you start to make some heavy decisions and changes. And that took years to come to that conclusion, but I'm not in that. When I, when I mastered that negative energy and then in the workplace, I realized that it was like, it's almost like the universe like graduated me and said, okay, you learned your lesson. You don't have to deal with that anymore. So mm-hmm. the only person I really had to deal with on a daily basis sometimes tests me is your ass <laughs> really <laughs> no i'm just kidding you don't test me <laughs> <laughs> but uh one, th- my- one tactical step to do if you're trying to get better at this and diffusing these situations with workplace toxicity and negative energy is to try to your best to become hyper aware in certain situations when you think something's happening that's what i this is actually one of the ways Explain that i hyper yeah this is one of the ways i learned this pretty quickly And I think this had to do just from my daily practices of meditation and other things where I was already pretty detached and objective in how I looked at situations. But I noticed myself doing it in the moment, and I still do it to this day, that, you know, let's take an example of somebody that 
is like venting or constantly complaining, right? Uh, you like sit back in the moment when it's happening and kind of look at it objectively and be like, wow, this person just continues to vent all the time and thinking that everything in the world is happening to them, like for their negative, uh, you know, it's like a negative circumstance on behalf of them. And when you just sit back and observe it, you begin to recognize patterns in people and they continually do it. And so it's what you really have to think in your head is, is this a lesson for me? Is it a lesson for them? Is it a lesson for both? And if you're somebody that's trying to detach yourself from a negative energy, that is your lesson. Your lesson is to be hyper aware in the moment and pay attention and recognize the pattern that, oh, this person's about to complain again. I'm just going to sit here and listen, you know, if you have to. I'm going to sit here and listen and pretend like I, you know, really care what, what she's venting about again. But I'm really not going to care about that because that's going to affect my energetic state. And so that's what I mean by becoming hyper aware, like pay attention to exactly what's happening and just detach yourself with it completely in the moment respectfully. Um, And then when I'm saying like their lesson is probably like I'm going to continue to feel bad about myself or bad about my circumstances all the time over and over and over again until something happens within their life that changes it if that ever occurs. Some people never have that life altering event. But uh, that's like a tactical step when I mean like become hyper aware. If somebody is trying to create toxicity towards you in the work environment intentionally, become hyper aware, recognize the patterns that exist, trace that data and be able to understand when it's happening, what are the triggering events, how it makes you feel, what it makes you want to do afterwards and use your mood as that emotional barometer and just detach yourself from it. That's what I mean by hyper aware. Very well said. Thank you. You mentioned meditation in the beginning of all this. That's another solution. Meditate every morning before you go into work. Mm-hmm. Give yourself about two weeks. So that's 10 days, Monday through Friday, Monday through Friday. Um, do it. I don't care if you can't get to the first, you know, what first the- three days of it. I don't care if you don't think it's working. Just do it for 10 days and then tell me. I hear a lot of people say when I mentioned meditation that, oh, I've tried that before, but it didn't work. Or I, I tried it and then I stopped doing it. It should literally be the staple of your day. It should be the most important thing that you do, do each you know and every day. Do you know how many, how long it took me to actually get meditation to work for me enough to go back to it again? I've been meditating since like 2014. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have like some giant eureka moment. No. But over time, you'll notice you're incredibly calm you're very uh, more. The largest issue is when you first start meditating, you're just laying there and you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And you're listening to this weird music. And you're like, that didn't do anything for me. And then you do try to do it again. Then you, That didn't do anything for me. Then eventually, after a couple of days of doing it again and again and again and again, same day every single day, you start to realize that you start to give in to it. You let it's go. not it's not by accident that the most powerful and most remembered and world renowned like spiritual teachers in history all meditated. Yeah. It almost but looking back now I realize like it forces you to learn and to realize yourself that you your you alone can calm and center your mind. Not this music, not this YouTube channel, not just sitting here meditating. You take your mind off of things. You control it at all times. And then eventually it becomes a habit that you can turn on meditation music and just you know, turn your brain off. Yeah. Eventually but, you want to get to where you don't listen to anything. You're just completely there and quiet. The feeling is like, 
I don't know. It's like some days, some of my meditations on some days, like you're reborn or something, you know, like you float, you don't care. Nothing bothers you anymore. Nobody's going to bother you that day. Someone honks at you while you're driving to work. You don't even care. You're like, you know, giving them hearts and blowing kisses. I'm serious. Like it can do that for you. And it could have the same effect at work. I started to do that too for work. I had to do it for work when I was in the DA's office in Philly. That was such a, you want to talk about toxic? I didn't have toxic coworkers, but the environment was toxic. I think on my way home from work today, I had a lady that was oh, yeah. in a real toxic environment or had something bad she happen. She did not meditate. Yeah, let me give you an example of what happens when you don't meditate. So I'm driving home from work today and this lady comes up behind me and I'm just sitting at a stoplight and the traffic is like jam packed. So even though the light's green, I can't even move because there's just so much traffic. And she starts freaking out, like honking, yelling at me. And I'm like looking behind, like trying to figure out what's going on, like showing her through my windshield that I can't make any move whatsoever. And she is not having it. And she's just freaking out. She's flicking me off. She's yelling in her car. And then I just turn around and smile at her and start waving, which I don't think made her super happy, but it, I thought it was the best way to diffuse the situation. Um, so anyway, then the cars move a little bit, so I'm able to go a little forward. She slams on the gas, flies up behind me, slams her brakes on, and then swerves in the lane to the right to come over and flick me off in her car. And I'm just looking, and I just keep driving and smiling. And... Uh, then my lane just opens wide up and hers like just comes to a dead halt, which I think probably pissed her off as well. So I fly like two miles down the road and I see this car flying, bobbing and weaving out of traffic and she flies all the way up next to me. This is like two miles later down the road in a completely different area, pulls up next to me, slams on her brakes just to look over and flick me off. And I just am like mind boggled by how this person is so upset from something that none of us had any control over it. But it's a really good example of person that didn't meditate in the morning or maybe she came from a really toxic work environment she hasn't mastered being able to detach herself from it but it was kind of funny but that's the kind of stuff that you know festers yeah. and gets in everywhere um sorry i was just <laughs> sitting here signing petitions for what <laughs> i'll explain later but just so you guys know you know people listening especially the person who suggested this topic this isn't something that just you know you're going through Every single person encounters this at some point or another in their career, in their life. You know, even at school it happens. But all you can do is control yourself. All you can do is change your perception of things. Recently, I've, uh, I remember I used to do this. Not recently, I'm sorry. I used to have the notes section in my phone up and open and out on my desk majority of the day. And I used to have like these reminders on there. And one of the reminders used to be, accept this allow it this is a test do not react literally i used to have that in caps in my notes app sitting on my desk so when something did happen to trigger me it's like that's what i would be reminded of you would be surprised at how helpful that was to me because it was like i'm not going to go against something that i wrote for myself and i'm trying to talk basically it's me talking to myself right Mm -hmm. and in the moment like it's right there dead center next to my keyboard at the point where someone could walk in and piss me off in two minutes and I could just, it's glowing, the phone's on and I could just see it. There was a period in time where I really kept that open all the time on my desk until it became a habit. Another way to potentially try to help from a tactical perspective when you're encountering stuff is take the mindset that before you came into this human reality, you planned out all these tests before you got here. Because what that does is it shifts your perspective from thinking this is a toxic work situation happening to me to 
this is a toxic work situation happening for me. How am I going to receive it? How am I going to respond to it? And how am I going to glide through it? And by shifting your perspective in that regard, any challenge you come encounter with, if you have this little thing in the back of your head, that's like, hey, maybe it's possible I actually planned all these challenges before I even got here. And I forgot them when I reached the point of human experience. And now I'm going through this life and I've got to encounter these challenges and see how I can glide through them in the best way possible. Or I'll learn from it and continually making the same mistakes until I do wise up. Agreed. All right. There's two books that I want to recommend that I think would be really helpful. Clifford and C. Jane and Dick Ryan. No. And this guy, I'm telling you, this guy's awesome. He actually wrote the book that you and I had to read before we got married. Oh, the five love languages. Right. But this book is The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace by Very Gary good. Chapman. This book is also an audiobook, but you guys, this is the he takes a different twist on it. I said the solution is meditation and then you going within and learning to accept things and learning to face things and not letting them affect you, like creating a barrier, which takes years and years of practice, maybe months for some people. And meditation again will take a couple days to get into it. But what he does, I feel like is take a twist on it and says, if you can learn to appreciate and be grateful for that job, all those issues and that negative energy in the workplace will, your attention's not on there. So then those things are not there. Does that make sense? You only feel the negative energy in the workplace because you're paying attention to it. Don't pay attention to it. You know, focus on something else, divert your attention. And so when you're grateful for things and you learn to appreciate that, this job pays the bills. You're lucky you have a job. Um, you're lucky to have a place to go to. Maybe there is a good coworker that you get along with that you met at your job that you have to like kind of count these things. And he's he gives very practical and tactical steps, mind um, practices that one can use. The second book is also by him and it's called Rising Above a Toxic Workplace. That too is by Gary Chapman. You can also get that as a book or audiobook on Amazon. And that one kind of goes the approach of what I said. This is where you said you earlier you didn't understand. There's negative energy in the workplace because of the people and your relationship with everybody and how everyone treats you and you treat them. But then there's also a toxic work environment workplace. Like lots of hours, lots of stress, very demanding job, emails on the weekends, this kind of like competitive company where you're like expected to just gun it, gun it, gun it. Like you're like treated like a machine basically. That too is also toxic. And that kind of environment breeds this kind of negative energy in people. If you work at a nuclear reactor plant, you got to wear a hazmat suit. Would you consider that a toxic environment? Am I supposed to laugh? No, you're not. I'm not laughing at that. You're not supposed to. On to the quote. Go. I actually saw this quote earlier today on something. So this is. No way. I did. Yeah. This is by Sir John Quincy Adams of our forefathers. Do you know what president he was? I don't remember off the top of my head what number. Do you? He was the sixth president of really? the United States. All right. Number six. It's my lucky number. So what John Quincy Adams said is, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you were a leader. And this I is picked an- this quote for a reason. Okay, go ahead. And the reason is, when we are in the workplace and we're busy focused on she said this to me, he said that to me, or my boss treated me like this, blah, 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 all this negative energy and toxicity everywhere. You're, you're kind of playing small. Your perception is that they owe you. Your perception is that they should talk to me like X, Y, Z. 
you know? And so in trying to prove that to them and relay that to them, you too give in to the negative energy and yell back or scream back or let it fester inside of you and gossip about them behind their back. So now you're giving in and adding to that toxic work environment and to the negative energy in the workplace. But if you could choose to be, I want to go above this and I want to literally be the change that I wish to see in this world, which is also another quote, then you have to take the high road. You have to teach and show people what it's like to not give into those things, to not talk to one another with such disrespect, to not treat each other with hate and disdain and like have this like unhealthy competitiveness. That's your job. Step up to the plate. And once you're like that, you will start to receive that as well eventually. Or you're going to attract a different job that's better for you. So be the person who brings forth the change, not the one who's expecting something from someone at all times or wanting this sort of respect from people. What are you doing? Take a look in the mirror. Are you doing anything different? Are you gossiping when someone says something to you? Are you partaking in this very same stuff that you despise? In response and, you know, quote unquote, letting your justifying it by saying, well, she did it to me or he did it to me or everyone's doing it to another. Be different. Why are you smiling? You wearing my sweater? Yes, I am. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> it's just comfortable. Oh, man. But so no, I, do something I agree. different. Yeah. And be, you know, forefront that change. That's when you become a leader. That's when you can handle things. You're handling yourself. You're happier. You're in a better mood and you're performing better. People are going to notice that in you. You know, and if people don't notice, screw them. Like the universe notices. That's when you attract new opportunities for yourself or the people that you don't like get fired or they like quit, whatever happens. But look yourself in the mirror too. That's the third thing I want to say. Meditate. What was the other thing I said? Look within and learn to respond rather than react. And then Hold yourself accountable. Hold, yeah. And then the third one I'm going to say is absolutely Look yourself and see what you're doing to give into that energy or to add to that. Would your coworkers say the same thing about you? Are you taking an Instagram thing of me? No. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, that's all we have for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Yeah, thank you very much. Love to hear your feedback. And if you have any other topics you want us to cover, please let us know. And be sure to rate and view us on Apple Podcasts. That's how we keep going. That's the reasons why we keep doing this. Thank you so much, guys.